1: It's a memory of how reading the Bible was like feasting on my soul, feasting for my soul. It's a memory of how the time I spent in prayer was the best time of the day. It's a memory of how, yeah, I loved at one point to teach Sunday school, talk to others about the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's just a memory. It's just a memory because now there's just one word to describe everyone in this second group, and it's the word lost, lost. They lost what they had. They lost the life in the Lord they once had. They lost the love of the Lord they once had. They lost the walk with God they once had. And though they had different pressures, they all lost their first love because of one word, one word in in Revelation 2.4, Revelation 2.4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. They lost their first love because they left their first love. And they're in a state of loss. They lost what they once had, and there's one word for what they should do. It's a word in the Bible that what you do when you lose something, and the Lord Jesus spoke about his loss and what he was doing as a result of his loss when he said in Luke 19.10, Luke 19.10, the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Lord lost souls. He lost souls to sin and he came to recover lost souls and the word he used was seek. Seek, Luke 19.10. The son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Lord lost souls and he said about what he was gonna do about it in Ezekiel 34.16. Ezekiel 34.16 I will seek that which was lost and will bring again that which was driven away. And this is what needs to be done for something that is lost. Seek. For the Lord, it was seek the lost soul. For the woman, in the parable, the woman, it was seek the lost coin. For the father, it was seek the prodigal son. And this is the one word that the Lord tells the second group, tells the people in the second group of people who lost their walk with God. He says, seek, recover your walk with God. To those in the second group who knew the Lord and then left the Lord, the Lord says, seek, go back, find what you lost. Seek to find your first love you lost. Seek it. Seek to find your love of the Bible that you lost. Seek it seek to find your love of prayer that you lost seek it seek to find your walk with the lord that you lost seek it seek to find your previous devoted service that you had that you had with god you lost it seek to find, re, regain your ambassadorship that you lost seek it seek to find your position as reconciler of the lost to god seek it seek to find your dependence on God that you had when you were part of that first group that you lost, seek it. And then for the discouraged soul who says, I don't think I can get it back again. I can't get back my first love of the Lord Jesus. I've sinned too much to get it back. I'm too wrapped up in the cares of this life to get get out. I'm trapped. I love money too much to return to the Lord Jesus, this idea of him feeling all my vision. I can't get it back. I love the world too much to regain what I lost in the Lord Jesus. All those objections, all those obstacles, that someone would say in the second group who left it, the Lord Jesus has one simple word, it's our verse here, Matthew 7:7, seek and you'll find. No one cares more than the Lord Jesus about a person returning to the Lord Jesus who's left him than him. And he will help that person in the second group get back to where they belong because he said in Matthew 7, 7, seek and you shall find. He promises that they'll find. He promised that in Isaiah 55:7, 7. Isaiah 55:7, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought and let him return unto the Lord. He will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon Now that brings us now to the third group, the third group of people. The third group of people never knew the Lord Jesus Christ. They were never saved. The third group of people, they never knew the release of the burden of their sin, they never knew the joy of being cleansed from their sin, they never have been in Christ, they never obeyed the Lord, they know nothing about the Bible, what is that? You know, they don't know anything about prayer, service to God, they're just lost, 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 that's all. They are and they always have been described as Ephesians 2.12, Ephesians 2.12. They are without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. So for this third group, they say, I have no hope. I was not born into a believing family. I wasn't born a Christian. I wasn't born in a Christian family. I never went to church. I guess I'm just doomed to hell. And this is the third group, and all they see is a closed door to heaven. And all they see is a closed door to hope. And all they see is a congregation of believers, of church, and the door's closed, closed to them. And this is the third group, and God has one word of guidance to them, and it's the word knock, knock. Because the Lord gives a promise to all that are in this third group of never having never having known the Lord and seeing a closed door in front of them, and he's saying to them in Matthew 7:7, 7, 7, Knock, it'll be open to you. Knock, it'll be open because he's inviting the lost to come. Isaiah 118, Isaiah 118 is his invitation when he says to the lost, Come now. And let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. Though they be like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. This is Isaiah. Matthew 11:28. 28. Matthew 11:28. 28, the Lord Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. One of the last verses of the Bible, Revelation 22, 17, Revelation 22, 17, is this grand invitation to the lost who never knew the Lord, the spirit, Revelation 22, 17, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Come, come and do what? Come and knock. Come and knock, and it shall be opened unto you. That's his promise. Of John six thirty seven, John six thirty seven, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Knock, and it shall be open unto you, because he is rich in mercy. In Ephesians two four, Ephesians two four, God who is rich in mercy, knock, and it shall be open unto you, because he's praying intercessory prayers for the lost to come to him. In Hebrews 7.25, Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Knock, and it shall be opened unto them, because he said he wouldn't despise a lost sinner who comes to him in Psalm 102.17, Psalm 102.17, he will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. Psalm 22.24, Psalm 22.24, after he has suffered on the cross in Psalm 22, one of his concluding statements is, Psalm 22:24. 24, he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him, but when he cried unto him, he heard. So these are the three groups of people that everyone in the earth falls into. The first group, the obedient s- saved, his word is ask, and it shall be given to you. Just keep on asking. Keep on living a life of dependence on God. Keep asking. Ask and ask and ask and ask. Make asking in prayer a constant part of your life. That's what he's saying. Make asking in prayer your business. Now, the second group of those who knew the Lord were in love with the Lord Jesus but lost it all because of persecution, hardship, cares, wealth, love of the world. The Lord says to those in that group too, the lost who lost what they had, Matthew 7, seven, seek and you shall find. Go back to where you lost the Lord. Seek the life you had once had. Return and to the third group of people who never knew the sweetness of sins forgiven. They never knew the relief of being cleansed from the defilement. They never had the assurance that they had an eternal home in heaven. They never were on the inside. They've always been looking at heaven as a closed door to them. I guess I was just born in the wrong part of the world. Some say the Lord Jesus says, no, just knock, just knock. Come for the first time, Matthew 7, 7, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now just think for this group of how the Lord Jesus in Revelation three twenty, he's standing and knocking at the door of their heart, and now in Matthew 7, 7, Matthew 7, 7, he's now inviting them to knock at the door of his heart. It's like Bob Dylan wrote the song, knock, knock, knock on heaven's door. Matthew 7, 7, God is saying, yes, knock on heaven's door. It'll be open to you. That's the promise that if anyone comes knocking in desperation on God's door, he's gonna answer. He's gonna open the door. Because he says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross for you. And just to emphasize further, he goes on in verse eight, verse eight, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. So his emphasis in verse 8 is on these words, everyone, where he's saying that everyone. In other words, with those three words, ask, seek, knock, there's not a single person on the earth that's been left out. And that's why the Lord says everyone, everyone on planet earth is either in the ask, seek, or knock group. And with these three words, the Lord Jesus has not left anyone without a word of guidance, ask, seek, knock. They're so universal, ask, seek, knock. And with the words in verse 8, notice he said, everyone, and then he goes on and said, he, that, and him, that. Those are very important words because here he's emphasizing how personal, how individual this interaction is. Not a group. It's not they, that. It's him that and he that. It's all about he that seeketh and him that knocketh. It's all about the he's and the hims. Well, of course, included the she's and the hers. But God meets each person individually, alone, in the hidden chamber of their hearts. This is what God described about his first calling with Abraham in Isaiah 51-2. Isaiah 51-2, he said to Israel, Look unto Abraham, your father, I called him alone. And the best place to meet God is alone. And for the person who reminds me of the Summer Blitz, one of the Summer Blitz testimonies where a Jewish man said, uh, you know, I believe that in the Summer Blitz, girls were saying, would you pray right now with us to receive Christ? And he says, no, I wanna go home alone and do that in my home alone. And for that, we say, right on. Go home alone. That's the best place to meet God. And for the person who says, How long do I have to wait? It's gonna be a long time. How long do I wait before God to respond to my asking and my seeking? And here the tense in verse eight is very important, where he says, Everyone that asketh receiveth, in verse eight, everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. It's not shall receive, but it's receives. It's not Everyone that asks will receive, but it receives as he's asking or as he said before he even asked in Isaiah 65, 24, Isaiah 65, 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. So what the Lord is really saying here is that what you have as hope in your heart can be yours in your hand. Now, there's a condition, though. There's a condition to receive and that the person has to ask in order to receive. Like it says in James 4.2, James 4.2, you have not because you ask not. What is really, God is saying here, what the Lord Jesus is saying is that, and by the way, he says his eyes run to and fro across the whole earth. He's searching for people to show himself strong on the behalf of him. So it says, so what he's meaning here is that if God finds a prayer-asking person, then he will become a prayer-answering person. If God finds a prayer-seeking person, then he will become a God who makes that person find him. If God finds a prayer-knocking person, he will become a door-opening person. Now he goes on in verse nine, he turns to explain why. Why he's gonna do all this, because that's a question. Why would he do all this? Okay, verse nine. Or what man is there among you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? I kind of sense this Jewish way. What kind of person would he be if, you know. So he says, if his son. He's now talking about a yearning, a yearning in the heart that a father has for a son. I mean, bread is good. Bread is good. What if the son asks for a stone? He's going to break his teeth. So he's saying, which of you being a father is gonna give him a stone and watch his son break his teeth? No, you're not gonna give him the stone because that would hurt him. He's saying a denial, a denial is caring love. In caring love, a denial in a love that cares is better than a granting a request, and apathy. I don't care. You don't want to break your teeth? Go be my guest. No. And then he says in verse 10, verse 10 he carries on the same question. Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? Oh, a fish, a fish is good to eat. What if the son says, you know, I want to play with a poisonous snake? The father's not gonna say, (laughs) give him a snake? No, that's gonna hurt him. A denial in love that cares is better than a grant in apathy. And the Lord asks another question in verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, and here's the words, how much more, those are the words, that's the most important words in verse 11, how much more, shall your father which is heaven give good gifts to them that ask him? He says, you're being evil. Yes, we're evil. We were born in sin. We were born sinful. But still, it tears in our hearts when our kids ask for something. There's no need for a law in the word of God to command fathers to give good to their children. That just comes naturally. And that's the point that the Lord is teaching here. It comes naturally to God to give good gifts to his children. And we come to God as his children for help like the boy that had the terrible headache in 2 Corinthians 4.19, 2 Corinthians 4.19, he said out to his father, my head, my head. <laughs> and he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. Anyway, so when we pray, we pray as the child to his father. We pray, father, 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 thy will be done, father. And then he says, how much more? So it's God who has assumed for us the position of father, and that means that he has the feelings of a father. As it says in Psalm 103, 13, Psalm 103, 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. It speaks in Lamentations 3.22, Lamentations 3.22, uses a very interesting word. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, Hebrew word racham, racham, here in the plural, but Raham is a very special word because Raham gets right into the gut. Raham gets into the feelings of the belly. It's the kind of love you feel deep in your gut. It's a tender compassion. It's like the, the woman, the two women who came and said, oh, that child's mine, that child's mine, and Solomon in his wisdom says, okay, fine, we'll just take a sword, we'll divide the kid down the center and you get one half weight get of, and then the woman whose mother who really was the mother of the child, it says in 1 Kings 3.26, 1 Kings 3.26, then spake the woman whose living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, O oh my Lord, give her the living child, and no wise slay it. The other said, let it be neither mine nor thine, but divided." This is the picture of Racham. It hits in the gut. Isaiah 46.3, Isaiah 46.3 three. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. The word "womb" is the word "racham," because it's right in the center, and it hurts. It hurts bad, and that's what he's saying. This yearning, he says, uh, likens himself into a, a mother in Isaiah forty-nine fifteen. Isaiah forty-nine fifteen. Can a woman forget her suckling child? That she should not have compassion. On the son of her womb she should not have Raham, yea, they may forget, I will not forget. But it's how much more is the emphasis here in this verse. It's how much more. So therefore, when it says in Psalm 27:10, Psalm 27:10, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. How much more the Lord will do, will have a stronger love than a father and mother. How much more? that God will care than our own mothers and fathers. That's the how much more in verse 11. What does that mean? I don't have a picture of it. Well, t- picture all the tender mercies of all the mothers and fathers gathered all up in one. I don't know how you picture that. But anyway, what would that look like compared to the tender mercy of a God? It looked very much like the hymn says, could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky, O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. If you were to compare the amount of light that's coming from one candle, let's just say that that's all the tender mercies of all the mothers and fathers on the earth, and you say, okay, that's represented by a candle, and you wanted to compare the amount of light coming from that candle to God, it would be in comparison to the amount of light coming from the sun. And you would say, how much more the light there is coming from the sun compared to the candle. If you were to compare all the tender mercies of mother and father as a quantity of water versus the quantity of water in comparison with God's tender mercies, you would say, you would be looking at a drop of water in comparison to the ocean. The quantity of water in a drop versus the quantity of water in the ocean and you would say how much more water there is in the ocean compared to one drop. And this is the way it is. If you were to compare the amount of loving care and compassion there is in God to give good gifts to his children with the amount of loving care and compassion there is in a father to give good gifts to his child, you would say what the Lord said in verse 12, how much more shall your heavenly father, which is in heaven, give good gifts to them that ask him? This is what he's communicating by the words how much more. It's God's love and compassion is, is so great. And it's not just for the children that are obedient to him. This raham is what David experienced, King David, for his rebellious son Absalom in 2 Samuel 13, 38. 2 Samuel thirteen thirty-eight. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. And the soul of King David longed to go forth unto Absalom for he was comforted concerning Amnon, seeing he was dead. So what we've seen this morning is today God's counsel for the saved and the obedient asked. God's counsel for the backslidden, seek. God's counsel for the lost, knock. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for not leaving anybody out. Lord, uh, that you want, you're willing, that you will have all men to be saved and you're not willing that any should perish and all should come to repentance, Lord. And so we do pray that you would help us, Lord, to echo your mercy in your message of mercy in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at po. box711330PO box711330, Santee, California, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at Tom cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org.